everybody welcome back to yet another episode of mission spinos episode four and it's a very special episode because this is the first mission spin episode following a grand prix and my goodness was it a fantastic grand prix at bahrain fellas i'm uh this is the second race i've ever watched and the first one was checho winning at second year last year so i'm getting kind of spoiled yeah, you're two for two, especially on that particular track. I know. <laughs> if only it was in like a country I could actually respect. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part. You know, the, the We Races One mantra kind of rings in the back of the mind again. Which, uh, they made a new video for that. I'm not sure if you guys saw. But, um, oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, great. I, I was curious to see where Maze Pen was, and you know, there he was in the middle of it. So that's fun. <laughs> Yeah, you know where he wasn't in the middle of the action <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday after uh, lasting three turns. So was there? Is there ever been a more satisfying start to an F one? No, I, it was brilliant, and I think my favorite thing about the whole amazing situation, I think, is that the announcers just hate him. You can just tell. I mean, he of course on they do. Blast. They're ethical. Oh, yeah, yeah, but he was yeah, on I mean, blast constantly. I mean, you know, Crowley was getting after him for he made fun of him for you know spinning that slow of a car, and it was just very. <laughs> cathartic, I think. Oh, I was cracking up in qualifying when uh. You could Maze see the spin. yellow flags, but you couldn't <laughs> see the car. And Crofty's like, oh, yellow flags in turn one. Oh, it's just the key to Madison. Crofty would, like, circle back to it. And you'd be like, oh, my God, he's been spun out on turn three. And they're like, yeah, and Lewis takes the lead. And he's like, how do you spin out in the Haas? He, like, he would circle back to yeah, it. Yeah, what did he say about – um? he said that uh, – like the Red Bull was having like mechanical problems and Maze Pin was having crashing problems. <laughs> that was pretty good too. Uh, but there's much more to talk about in this Grand Prix for sure. Uh, and obviously, I think it was a fantastic Grand Prix on all aspects, you know, from the front to the midfield. Um, where do we even start to talk about this? Um, I'm, I'm thinking with some of the midfield battles. Oh, the midfield battles. Okay, I was I was gonna say I felt 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 fair to Lewis to start with him, but <laughs> I want to get to that later because there's a yeah. more broader conversation topic I'd like to bring That's up. That's true. But um, so. the midfield battles I thought were fantastic actually, and we had a really good one to start the race when you had Leclerc on Norris, uh, which that was some great wheel to wheel racing there. And my first question is being, you know, seeing that, seeing uh, where everyone finished, you know, you have Norris in fourth, you've got Ricardo in seventh, and Leclerc just ahead of him in sixth with uh, signs kind of splitting the two there at eighth, or I guess being split there. Um, my question is, how do we feel about Ferrari versus McLaren this year for that, that third place constructor slot? Uh, McLaren definitely has the edge, I think. I think so, too. Uh, so great there? racing from Charles, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, both of them, great race. I mean, really, throughout the field today, or yesterday, excuse me, fantastic. I still haven't slept. Oh, yeah. I was so excited <laughs> after that race. Um, stuff. It was just throughout the field, just fantastic wheel-to-wheel racing. It was clean. It was exciting. A lot of, uh, yeah, just a lot of overtaking. It was just great to watch. It's, a, it's a great track, too. It is. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of great overtaking. About there. some props. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if we have to. Such, we must. such a shame for Melbourne. Thank God. Yes. Um, what a contrast. <laughs> Melbourne, usually being the opening race of the year, doesn't really lead to a lot of excitement. But this was absolutely riveting. And you had a lot of great overtakes, for sure. Um, you know, you had the battle between Lando and Charles. They had some good wheel-to-wheel stuff. You had that beautiful one. I mean, obviously, I can't bring him up without noting my bias. You had that beautiful Sunoda overtake over Alonso on the dive bomb on the first turn there. 
which was really brilliant. And of course, a lot of great racing at the very front of the pack as well. Uh, besides McLaren and Ferrari, uh, what team would you both say uh, impressed the most? So why don't we start with Ryan? You know, it's a little bit of a tough question, know, actually. I don't really know if it's a solid answer because I feel like the like established fifth team is AlphaTauri, but Pierre kind of got shot in the foot before the race started. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, he, you know, he had that wing problem, and that when, once he ran over his own wing, uh, it kind of grinded onto the floor there, and that really messed up the, but, the, the race for him. But I'm actually still going to go AlphaTauri because I think Yuki, as good as Yuki is, he's still the weaker link of that pair. Yeah, and for him to finish in the points when he was outside the top 10 in qualifying in his first ever race, like, AlphaTauri is going to be good because Pierre is not going to finish 15th every race. Of course not. I think, uh, you know, so before he... Gonna, mm-hmm. Go for it. I was going to say, if Yuki's overtaking, like, Alonzo all year, AlphaTauri's, like, cemented fifth because Alpine's, like, their biggest competition for that five spot. And if Yuki can overtake Fernando, like, at any consistent rate, then Pierre's going to be, like, three spots ahead of him. Yeah, and, you know, um, Yuki also started 13th, uh, kind of fell back the pack, and then ended up having a strong finish ninth, especially with his overtake of Lance Stroll there in the very final stage of the race. So, and Pierre, you know, he was competing for fifth still and holding off that spot before he got hit in the wing, and I think he definitely would have still competed for that spot uh, had his race not gotten ruined by that little accident. So, yeah, I think Avatar is going to be really strong this year. I think if you look at the data uh, of, you know, Pierre and the Hards and of what Yuki was able to accomplish, I think they're still very, very quick uh, this year, and we'll definitely see a lot more of them in the coming races, especially once Pierre can have a clean race. Oh, yeah, I mean... No, and what did Pierre start? P five, P five, P six, yeah. something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I mean, great qualifying. I mean that, yeah. So that car has some serious pace this year. Um, I think they're they're on par with Ferrari, in my opinion. Ooh, that's a fun take, but I can that see it. That is a fun take. Let's talk about that uh, for a second. Carlos Sainz uh, finishing eighth for Ferrari. Um, both Ferrari cars in the points to start off this season, which, you know, based on some of the race that they had last year, I think that's definitely an accomplishment for this team. That being said, this is kind of familiar territory for Carlos Sainz, isn't it? That kind of eight, nine spot. Yeah. I mean, he is, uh, Carlos Sainz is Mr. Consistent. Absolutely. And I think you can count on him week in and week out to at minimum get within the points. Um, which is what Ferrari was looking for, really. Yeah, because Vettel really wasn't delivering that, to be honest. I mean, he was, if he was finishing in the points, it was 10th. Yeah. So. And Carlos is only going to get better in that car. Yeah. Do you think, uh, do you foresee uh, that Carlos could give a fight to, to Charles? Especially kind of obviously didn't end up working out that way in the race, but during qualifying, it seemed like the two were battling back and forth quite fervently there. So uh, do you foresee this kind of being the norm here with Carlos finishing two or three spots below him? Or do you think he could improve over the year and once he gets used to the car, kind of, you know, push Charles a little better? Yeah, I personally see Leclerc on another level than Sainz. I rate Leclerc in the Verstappen and Hamilton tier. Um, To me, Sainz is like that B tier right behind that. Okay, like in that tier or like just below that tier? Because I feel like the Verstappen-Hamilton tier is a little bit clearer in the field. No, I think Leclerc is in that conversation. 
Yeah, I would, I would say he's in the conversation too. I, I think I, when he did have drivers the car, on was, the grid. So, yeah. um, I mean, I, I don't doubt that he's like the third or fourth best driver on the grid. It's just like, like I, I just, I have a hard time placing anyone not named Max or Lewis in TRA. Which is understandable, especially with what you saw, uh, you know, on Sunday. Um, <laughs> and before we get to that, uh, a few more talking points I wanted to hinge on. Um, Alonzo obviously had to retire his car to, to what appeared to be a sandwich bag. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, you know, some of our check out either Vettel or Stoffel Van Dorn was in that garage for <laughs> everything started off. I've been a Honda engineer. Yeah, my Honda just wait, just one more file or one more into the file. Seb, um, Seb, Seb threw the sandwich bag and then Alonzo changed his line into it. Yeah, oh, <laughs> we, we're going to talk about that too. Um, but what do we think about his race so far, qualifying where he did with what to me seems like a pretty weak Alpine engine? I thought was very impressive uh, in his race up to that point, you know, before he had to retire. How was Alonzo's first race back? Um, I was the Alonzo dissenter, so I'll go first. Until he had, uh, until he had to, uh, with like retire the car, he did impress me a little more than I expected. I think, I don't know if I was, I think I he was in like the eight, nine, ten range for most of the race. If some, if someone in the top four, and you know, he was like nine or ten. If someone in the top four cars pitted, he would ho like hop above them to like six or seven for a second. I think that's where I expected him to be. I think he was closer to that top eight than I expected him. I think if Pierre comes back, I think in reality he'll be fighting for like the nine or 10 spot for a majority of the season, unless he like has a great race or something happens to one of the top four squads. But like he was a lot closer and more competitive than I expected him to be for a long time. And like he had car troubles, but I mean, Fernando looked better and closer to those that top tier drivers than I expect them to be. And maybe that's because I had no idea who Fernando Alonso was or hadn't really watched him race until a few months ago. But this is understandable, he, he, you know. But uh but Sam, as someone who did, did you ever have any yeah. doubt? I, I did not. I mean you, <laughs> yeah, you know I did predict him to win a race this year. Uh you know that was he hasn't won since twenty thirteen. Yes. Um, okay. Look, that was my spicy take. Okay, I'm not even really convinced that's gonna happen. Oh, yeah, okay. That was that was that, that was my hot. spicy. That was flaming hot. Yeah, that was flaming hot. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was very impressed by him, and he just continues to impress me. He has this whole career. Um, he's made a career out of putting cars where they probably don't belong, and I think it's fair to say that that Alpine didn't really belong in Q3 at this track. And I agree with that too. He qualified yeah. ninth and after two and a half years out of the sport. He wiped the floor with his much younger teammate. Um, Which he's used to just, doing that. Yeah, he is. And it just shows you the class. <laughs> Again, Stoffel. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but it's a yeah. shame that he kind of went backwards in the race because it's just, I don't know, man. I just, I, I hate will, seeing him in the midfield. I will maintain like, Alpine is pretty definitively the sixth best car, I think, as of yeah. the data we have right now. I think the top four of the top four and AlphaTauri's five. If Fernando yeah. fin if if there's a race in which no one in the top five cars has trouble and Fernando finishes in the points, he did an outstanding job. Yeah. But I mean I, th I think that I think we we have to like alter the expectation. Even for someone as good as Fernando, 
when he's yeah. stuck in a car like that Alpine, we have to alter the expectations a little bit. But I think the fact that he was so definitively in that like eight, nine, 10 range for most of the race. I mean, Carlos didn't have a great start. He was ahead of Carlos in the first like nine, 10 laps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and- even for someone as good as Fernando, we have to kind of figure out like what the expectations for him are. And in that Alpine, I think it's just, if he can break into the points, he had a great race. Yeah. I think it's kind of the same as it was when he was with the McLaren Honda. It was like, you know, anything in the points is a success for him. But I think it's interesting that you said that uh, they're the sixth best team. I'm not sure, man. I think they might be seventh. Yeah, behind us. Yeah. Yeah. I, dude, they look terrible. <laughs> yeah, they didn't do really well. Uh, but I mean, they, they did have a point fun. finish uh, with one Alpine. point. <laughs> Alpine. Alpine looks terrible. Aston Martin didn't look great either. But the Alpine, man, they just, that yeah, team is a fair point. It's just so inconsistent. They take one step forward and two steps back. The amount of money also, that's going into it is just unbelievable. They have one and a half drivers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. why don't we talk about Aston Martin for a second? And in particular, okay. if we're talking about older drivers, uh, how about Sebastian Oh, Vettel? goody. Because <laughs> what a weekend. So first in qualifying, um, he is cited uh, and penalized for disregarding yellow flags. Uh, I believe that was his three penalty points he got in that instance. Yep. Uh, and then during race time, uh, he runs into uh, Ocon and uh, complains about it on the radio. But the sewers certainly didn't see it that way because they gave him two penalty <laughs> points for that. That's halfway to a race ban, if I'm correct. Um, it's almost halfway. Almost. And that's, uh, yeah, that's um, what? We've been exactly one race. Into yeah, so we've got season. 22 to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this has been an absolutely horrible uh, start for for Sebastian Vettel, and especially I'm sure it's been horrible for a lot of Sebastian Vettel fans who've expected him to suddenly shake off all these issues that he had at Ferrari. And based on what we saw on Sunday, that definitely doesn't seem to be the case. So I'm going to start with everyone's favorite Sebastian Vettel fan, uh, Sam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> talk about this a little bit. Uh, talk about uh, you know what's going on with Seb, and um, if this things are going to change for him over the course of the season. <laughs> mate i am just sitting back in my chair laughing right now um the the whole 2020 season all i heard on twitter was oh ferrari sabotaging vettel's car Wow, he's not this bad Wah. oh i can and, tell you, you have know, no animosity about this yeah I mean, dude, I, I can show you the screenshots. Uh, there's this one account. Um, I don't doubt is, you. Yeah, her name is Tammy F1. Great account. <laughs> at, she, on, she translates at, a lot of articles about Ferrari. Yeah, at, at Tammy at, F1, I think. I was going to say at underscore not Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, exactly. It's, I think it might be a seven burner, to be honest. But, you know, she she's great. But on every, like, every race, there was just conspiracies, and all the replies were the same thing. People with these Ferrari conspiracies that they're sabotaging Fettel. And I'm like, no, I don't think like what, what would Ferrari have to benefit by sabotaging? It's absolutely Vettel? pointless. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah. and, and I think this weekend kind of proved that, uh, it's maybe it's Vettel and not the team. I mean, there would be strong indication towards that based on, I mean, 
horrible, horrible week. Uh, and, th- and this was a, in a week where Maze Pin spun about a billion times in qualifying and then lasted <laughs> three corners. Uh, and, and the fact that comparatively, Seb still had a pretty bad week. Uh, it's not a great optic. Well, Maze Pin spun on seventy-five percent of his laps. Yeah, I, I think that was the worst weekend I've ever seen in F one from Maze Pin, like by any means. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's gotta be close, right? <laughs> He ruined qualifying, not yeah. only for himself, but for multiple other drivers, yeah. and then didn't make it halfway through a lap. lap. Yeah. yeah, overtaking the outlap, obviously, uh, some journalists have called Vespin persona non grata for, for, for doing that. Oh, yeah, that. That's the big sin. <laughs> I agree, but, you know, among the other racers, at least, uh, on the track, and, and now you, you've got this. So here's my question um, about Vespin. You got a guy who's notorious previously for driving very angry um, when he's angry and driving very reckless. And, um, you know, in F2, trying to block people off the straights, trying to run them off the track. Um, I think it's clear after this that we're going to see him spin out quite a few more times over the course of the season. Especially if he can't handle this Haas car, which is very slow. Um, I would expect him to... uh, to be equally as slow and equally as mistake-filled as you would be across the rest of the season. Is that fair to say? I mean, River, I sent you this text earlier, and, like, I meant it wholeheartedly, and I wonder if you thought I was really joking. Like, is he going to finish more than half the races? <laughs> I mean, he, he spun out 75% of his laps. Yeah, I mean, granted, like a- this is an actual fact, too, might I add. Valtteri Vitas's entire pit stop... Uh, from entering pit lane to the failure on Mercedes part to exiting was longer than Mason's entire race. And, yeah, that's, like, and that's not great. That's not like a great he, I mean, the, like turn three at Secure is not even like, I don't even think it's in the top three or four hardest turns on that track. No, I, and I think he spun on the straight part of it. I think he, he completed the turn. Too hard. Yeah, he came I out just, of it too hot. It, and he like he just doesn't seem to have control of that car at no, all, which is worrying because that car is not very fast. No. It, so I, here's my question: um, When he's a backmarker in races, because he will be, um, <laughs> when he gets that blue flag in some narrower tracks like Imola and like Monaco, in like uh, you know some parts of Melbourne, is he going to be a massive problem? For other racers Absolutely. who are laughing at him? Well, he's going to, he's, yeah, he's, I was going to say he's going to be a problem for people laughing him because he's yeah. not going to be close to like the lead. Yeah, well, that's but. what I mean. You know, and those narrow tracks were sometimes going to be hard to get out of the way. Um, I don't see him conceding uh, no, no. a lot and of that. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know if this is really necessarily fully qualifying as foreshadowing, but like there was a one, there was a stretch with like three or four laps left yesterday. I guess yesterday now. Um, in which Max was closing fast on Lewis and Lewis somehow got the two Alfa Romeos between himself and Max and it stalled Max for maybe like five or six turns Mm -hmm. and it bought Lewis maybe half a lap and that might have won Lewis the race other than like how fantastic he was driving like if yeah it was one of the best probably in Lewis's career which is really saying a lot, but um, <laughs> no, we, we'll get we'll we'll get to that later. We'll we get will. to the praise later. But like, if 
Kimi and Giovinazzi are messing up races trying to get lapped, Mazepin might just like crash out Max just cause. And yeah. I would love to see that. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Max might legitimately bad. kill him. <laughs> like, not, like I'm not even like being sarcastic. Like I think he might kill him. Yeah. I mean, I think we're we're just lucky that Mazepin didn't take anybody out yesterday when he spun. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is going to cause so many safety cars and he is going to take out so many people this year. It's going to be we got to keep track it's going to be like a record of some sort guaranteed oh we're gonna i think we're definitely going to keep track uh because obviously we're no fans of mazepin here and i think a lot of the drivers aren't fans of mazepin after sunday and i think the commentators aren't particularly big fans of him either so are they fans of him before sunday yeah it's a good question i probably not but you know he made more more enemies which is kind of the same thing but different it's true (laughs) kind of the same thing but different (laughs) what did um what did who who was it i was one of you two in the group chat after um uh after i asked after we asked it was like the worst debut of all time there was a someone else he said like at least they could point the car straight i forget who it was yeah Yeah, you know that's tough oh yeah who who was that I don't that. know, but uh, it wasn't Latifi, but it was like it reminded me of Latifi for some reason. Hold on, I'm gonna look in the group chat real fast. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, oh, Fittipaldi. Oh. Yeah, Fittipaldi. There we go. I like how I, I like how those two are like overlapped in my head. Uh, also, <laughs> while on the same topic, I believe Jack Aitken uh, tweeted that he doesn't feel as bad now about spinning out at Sakir after 60 laps after watching Maze. So clearly not a fan of Maze Finn when they were together in F2. Uh, so, I mean, but who would be based on, you know, Maze Pin? But um <laughs> Why yeah, don't we? Why don't we get down to it, shall we? Um, why don't we talk about the big talking point? Uh, partly, what made this Grand Prix so fantastic was that final battle between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen uh, across the last few laps. Now, Sam, I know you've got some opinions on this, particularly on the Red Bull strategy for uh, <laughs> how they approached that in the very beginning of the race. Why don't we start there first? So obviously, um, we know that the undercut at Bahrain is very, very powerful, particularly on this track. It's a strategy that most teams try to employ wholeheartedly when they come to this circuit. And Mercedes went for it first. Uh, they, they brought in Batas and Hamilton, and they had Max Verstappen stay out there. Uh, and we'll start there. Uh, so, Sam, what do you think about that decision initially? Yeah, well, I mean, on the one hand, it did give us an amazing battle. The battle we've been waiting a long time for. So for sure. I guess I'm somewhat grateful to Red Bull for that. But I just don't oh, sorry, I just don't understand it, man. I just uh so to me, it, like you they gotta be able to, earlier? Case, I mean you have to. I, I, mean, I think they could have reacted to Lewis on the next lap. Mm-hmm. Um it, it, like Lewis didn't have like an amazing stop. He had like a two point nine second stop or something like that at Red Bull had a sub two second stop later in the race so like yeah, yeah 1.9 for stepping yep. yeah just, and it's yeah. yeah i just i thought they, they should have reacted on that lap you had the faster car to me just every time they they pitted max he was 10 seconds behind lewis it just didn't make any they, sense they it felt like they were it, it felt like they were racing the entire time as if they were predicting lewis with three stop yeah because which like, christian horner they, did actually say that and in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, the post 
race interview where they sat down Christian Horner and Toto Wolf. Um, Christian did tell Toto, we thought you were going to try and do a three-stop. Now, granted, you know, I think actually Red Bull caused that two-stop. Because I think if Red Bull pits five laps earlier, Lewis does three-stop. But mm-hmm. I think Red Bull, like Lewis was like 18, 19 seconds behind. Like, okay, we're going to pit Max soon. And Lewis like 17, 16, 15, yeah. 14. And like pit stops like by like 23 seconds on average. So like by the time they were like finally like, okay, Max is going to pit. Lewis had a 10 second lead with like 28 laps left. And at that point, Merck was like, hey, you have a 10 second lead. And Lewis is like, I'm just going to make these tires work. And he, and he knew what he did. And he did. And yeah. you just, you don't, you don't want to like, <laughs> you don't want to seed him extra time yeah. because I, I get like, I feel like, again, they strategize like they wanted a two stop and thought Lewis would three stop, but I think they waited like three or four laps too long. Cause if they go like, I think Max could have made the tires he had at the end work three or four laps longer than he had them. Like more than that even. And like, if he comes out six seconds behind Lewis with like 30 laps left instead, I think Lewis might actually have to three stop yeah. because I don't think Lewis could fight him. Like that would, that's the difference between Lewis having to fight him off for two laps and Lewis having to fight him off for 15. Yeah. And you just, you just don't want to be the guy chasing Lewis Hamilton. Never, mm. never. Fantastic. Also, brilliant defensive drive from him. Probably like we said, one of the best uh, drives, you before, know, I think probably of his career. Before we move on from Red Bull, sorry to interrupt you. Can I just point out like, how don't like i mean i get like the passion and the impact in the moment and like how the competitive side of him probably won over rather than the strategy side but the fact that with like four laps left like when max got like max is going to get penalized for overtaking lewis outside out of the track and he was like just let me go i'll build five seconds it's like no you won't not in four laps (laughs) it was like the 53rd lap and he was like, I'll just build yeah. five seconds. And I'm like, I get where you're coming from. And I get that it's frustrating. Just let Lewis go. You're not going to beat him by a second and a half every lap until the finish. Yeah. Yeah. And can I, I say get, one I get, more thing? Oh, no. Sorry, Ryan. No, I was going to say, I, again, like to reemphasize, I get where he's coming from. And as a competitor, you don't want to just like watch Lewis drive by you. You're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's just really and, funny to me to hear that on the radio. Yeah. And the, uh, the last thing I'll say about Red Bull is, uh, you know, how much would it have helped them to have a second car in the, in the mix there with Perez? I mean, you could have had him stay out after Lewis boxed and then hold up Lewis on the old tires for a lap or two. And that could have made all the difference. We see this Mm -hmm. way too often with Red Bull, man, they fight a man down. and, and they definitely and they definitely there. fought a man down at the start, clearly, because uh Perez's car, the electronic thing to completely turn off there on the formation lap, they had to do an extra formation lap, which took a lap away from the race in general. And then he had to start last. Can we talk about Perez for a second? I think Checo's race going from last and ending up, you know, in that in that P five spot, uh I feel like that's a brilliant drive from Checo. Oh, yeah. And yep. I mean, now, yeah. Can I, make, can I make another point? Go for it. What happened today with Checo is probably what would have happened last year if Lewis was there, Max DNF, Max didn't DNF, and Batas didn't have <laughs> like a 30-second pit stop. 
Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like what he did today was really similar to his drive a year ago. When yeah, because he started last there as well. In, yeah. Yeah, e- it was equally as impressive to me. Well, he yeah. didn't start last, but he was last after a lap. After a lap, he got, yeah. he got uh, knocked when I think it was um, I think it was Grosjean or I think it was the Max crash. Might have been. Like yeah. when when Max DNF'd, his car got knocked and he did a spin and he was like five seconds behind the next closest person. It's yeah. so like I think what yeah. he did today was equally as impressive as that. It's just Lewis, Max, and Batast. Like Lewis and Max were there, and Batast didn't have a hand behind his back. But yeah. I think it was really similar. He did a great job. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to briefly touch on something else too because this has been a bit of a controversial topic within the F1 fandom after this race. Track limits, uh, and in particular, that term oh, four there, um, which first we uh, we were told from the radio that stewards weren't enforcing the track four limits. Then this, uh, the radio, um, you know, the engineers told the drivers that they were going to, you know, get on with that. They got to stop taking that turn wide. And then it was revealed after the race that uh, the stewards never intended to actually go after any drivers for those track four limit or that turn four track limits. And um, Christian Horner, and of course, as he always is, has been vocal about it. Uh, the Mercedes camp has also been vocal about uh, the track limits changing from race to race. Should the track limits just be reserved for the white lines on the track there, or, or should it change from race to race? Because obviously some tracks, uh, particularly some older ones, have gravel traps and such to enforce track limits, and that punishes the driver. Uh, by you know having them lose control in that gravel once they go off the track, but obviously losing control in F1 car in any instance is, is considered you know unsafe. Uh, so with more modern tracks that do have a more concrete runoff, uh, should those track limits be strictly enforced with the white line, or should it go on a case by case basis, kind of like the stewards have been doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Sam, do you want to go? I'll, I'll yeah. Well, first of all, I think the solution to this is very simple. Um, F1 needs to mandate grass and gravel in these places um and i know the tracks don't like it because you know when the uh average joe shows up in his miata he doesn't like to uh you know for a track day go for a ride spinning into gravel but yeah yeah but i mean it's just it's just ridiculous there's no consistency to it that's the biggest problem to me um like if you did that on the f1 game you'd get dnf in like five laps, <laughs> black you know? flag, send the car back yeah. in. I can, I can actually, uh, I can actually uh, say from example that this does happen in F one in the game. Yes, I did play. River, River I seen, played Ryan. Uh, River has seen me play in F one, and I can't confirm this. In fact, what happened? But don't yeah, don't talk to me about F one. I, I still use the shifter help uh, on F one. I do. I, I play in manual transmission, but but I do have to have that little logo that tells you what gear you should be in for each turn. <laughs> So I'm not exactly an expert by name. I was in automatic and you double lapped me in a six lap race. <laughs> I, <laughs> did. <laughs> I, I did. I did. That's true. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree. Uh, again, I know safety is kind of a bit of an issue with the gravel, but uh, at the same time, older tracks that haven't made it. I think the uh, gravel is safer, to be honest. It slows them down more. It's just... Uh, it does too. Yeah. They don't like it for normal track game i think a lot of the uh, moto gp guys don't like it either which yeah right. that's understandable too when you have a you know a two-wheeled a two-wheeled machine uh you know the gravel yeah. could make it easier to fall off but mm-hmm. i just for this issue i just i agree with what will buxton tweeted like i don't really care what the solution is just be consistent yeah yeah like you can't make it to a point where like 
Max is hearing over the radio, okay, you can go wide on turn four. And then five laps later, oh, wait, you can't go wide on turn four. Like, you can't, like, make it unclear for drivers what they are and aren't allowed to do. Yeah. Although, I do I do want to nip in the bud. If anyone, I'm sure anyone who is listening to this probably knows, but just in case, uh, what Max did in that final lap of the overtake is not the same thing as what Lewis is doing earlier. Lewis was swinging wide on turns. Max established an overtake from outside of the boundary. I've seen too many comments on Twitter and Instagram like, oh, so it's only bad when Max does it. Max legitimately <laughs> broke a rule. Lewis was going wide. Just if anyone here was confused as to why Max had to let Lewis through when he did the same thing that Lewis had been doing. Yeah. I just I just yeah. want to make sure that's clear. The Max, the Max fanboys are and girls are like the most in F1. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is, dude. Like, it's like a Dutch, uh, Super I Max, baby. Dutch people, but yeah. like, he's just like, Profile I mean, he basically just be like the president of the Netherlands, man. He's basically God to them. Yeah, you know, you owe me money, Ryan. I bet you it, it would be exactly four episodes until Sam went after Dutch people, and I was right. You gotta pay <laughs> I like Dutch people. I forget that conversation. No, because it, it never because it never happened. Um, okay, it's 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 all in good fun. For now, we can start a wager based off this conversation. But the next time that Sam goes after the Dutch, yeah, people. The it's next very country? clear. What's F1 is very clear. Countries? If you uh, it, well. Remember? <laughs> no. Um, I would I would put negative two hundred on England. I feel like that's just yeah. like the guy. Yeah, you, really you, you lose money if you bet on that. They're not as involved. Holy crap! They're not. I'm sorry. I have a uh, March Madness going on my TV. Um, they're not as in, they're not as uh they're not as involved in um. Well, I'm sorry. I have it on my phone, and then I have the Baylor UConn women's game on my TV. Which shout out Paige Beckers and UConn because it looks like they're going to the Final Four. But um, uh. But I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's just I, England's not as involved in F1, but uh, they're definitely, they're got to be the odds on favorite for every country, every time we make a betting board on what country Sam's landers. Yeah, yeah. well, it's just, it, it's weird. Like, um, it, it seems like Max is like a god to the Dutch fans, but, you know, the British fans all hate Lewis, which hey, that's a whole the other British fans thing, hate Lewis? They seem to. Yeah, they so didn't strange. really. Uh, people didn't react well to him being knighted, which is kind of dumb. Um, yeah. But, okay, I, I can't think of anything I could and, care less about as a sports yeah. fan. I mean, it's like cool, cool for Lewis because I'm sure it's like an awesome thing. But they're like, like, yeah, well, no. he lives in Monaco or Switzerland. What, and what's the difference um, between Lewis and all the other drivers? You know, I'm sorry, like, figure that one out. But uh, also, yeah. like, just like what, like what consequential effect does it have that Lewis Hamilton got knighted? Like a, how does it affect you in your daily life? Yeah. B, how does how does it even affect Lewis other than being like, okay, I'm knighted. This is like a super yeah. cool accomplishment yeah. in my own. And it's country. like, and people are like, who doesn't deserve it? I'm like, dude, like, come on, like, what? David Beckham got it. Like, I mean, David Beckham was like the, uh, you know, fifth best player on Manchester the United. Bench, okay, the bench park should be like, whether you can defeat another night in combat. <laughs> obviously we can like, we can get into sam's david beckham take on a different day <laughs> if, if i he, heard that could he even like could he even beat so much could, yeah could he even beat elton john in hand-to-hand combat you know that's, <laughs> that's we really decide nice no i think the older one gets a if you're over 30 years older than the person you're fighting you get a weapon that's true you should definitely uh manage that what but yeah like you, say, like, what, like you said like you said what what well what weapon would elton choose i'm curious I mean, what do you think river 
okay, so Saturday night's all right for fighting, right? We've already established. Yes. yes. You know, um, is, obviously, no. that this song takes place in a bar, right? Um, mm-hmm. He does mention hooliganism and soccer, and they like fire. Uh, so you got to throw that one in there. I'm going to set the mm-hmm. stands alight. Uh, however, I, I feel like a broken beer bottle would kind of be. Like, oh, yeah. really? You think Elton fights dirty? I do. I really do. And I think he's proud of it, too. And I'm, pr- and I'm proud of him. So Lewis would just defeat him with the power of veganism. Exactly. And, and, and crystals. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so if we're doing F1s of relatives, I think most likely to record a, a ukulele cover of Riptide uh, to put on YouTube would definitely move. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, Lewis has accomplished so much, like you said, Sam, and no, obviously just... he's fought for civil rights as well in a really big mm-hmm. way. Um, yeah, absolutely. And he's still doing that, uh, you know, this season. Yeah, I do. Today, and I, I do. really respect his efforts in doing that. So I think he absolutely deserves to be knighted. Yeah. I do want to give Lewis credit. It's hard It's hard to have that vibe and still seem cool. And Lewis seems to pull it <laughs> off to me. Lewis, so. I, I told you, Ryan, Lewis looks casually cool in every picture ever taken of him. It's that is, effortless. you did say that to me, and it is correct. It's effortless. <laughs> Just whenever, no matter what it is. Um, yeah. So and Lewis I, is like, can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah Lewis is like probably the most recognizable, or at least one of the most recognizable British <laughs> British athletes, maybe even British people in the world. Oh yeah, and I mean he's had a better... more success than anybody in the history of F one. So who's a better I, I British mean, athlete? I mean, I, I don't know, better. man. I mean, like, like Lewis Harry is the Kane? best in the Lewis is the best kinda... in the history of the sport. <laughs> They're kind of mad at yeah. Harry Kane right now. I feel so. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm just talking about like, too, so. I'm just talking about like comparatively. It's like Lewis is the best in the history of the sport. Like, it's not like Harry Kane is considered one of the greatest soccer players of all no, time. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Harry Kane has an MBE, so Harry Kane's getting an MBE. Like, <laughs> Harry Kane is on. an MBE. Yeah. So, come on. Now. Like, really? He's not even won a single trophy in his career. Did they, did, they, did they review that final World Cup game and still <laughs> yeah. give him the MBE? So all, I, all I have to go, all I have to do is go out and just lose the Champions League, and I can get an MBE. That's crazy. <laughs> Remember, you have to get to the Champions League first. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah. We're going to stop the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> says but, says the Brighton fan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole uh, other story for a whole other day. Again, what's the difference between Lewis Hamilton and Harry Kane? Lewis wins. I'm not, you know what? Like, <laughs> obviously. I like how River and I said the exact same thing. <laughs> but I do know what you're insinuating, and, and, I, and yes, I do think that mm-hmm. is a problem. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I see yeah. it all the time on Twitter, all the time. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree with your point 100%, Sam. And the fact that Lewis, like, is able to speak up on stuff like that so comfortably and openly with yeah. the, like, level platform he has is really cool for me. Yeah. Like, to see an athlete who, I mean, like, really more athletes of that level profile are more likely to, like, let things happen around them because they have more to lose if they irritate people and like it looks like he's never even considered that for a second so yeah lewis respect is just the hell out of that i'm, I'm a big i'm a big lewis fan yeah he's the perfect face of formula one and he's just i agree he, he never does anything wrong he's super marketable i mean what more can you ask for and I, i've said this before could you imagine that max verstappen was a world driver's champion 
Yeah. I mean, probably won't have to imagine by 2022. Yeah, probably yeah. not. But man, that's going to be a completely different vibe from Lewis Hamilton being world driver's champion. I'll tell you that right now. Um, yeah, why don't it, we um... Why don't we end on that, shall we? Um, with one final topic of conversation. Obviously, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Ryan. There. No, um, go for it. But obviously, you had a really close battle between Verstappen and Hamilton. Um, you had a frankly brilliant drive from Perez. Uh, I think Max still put in a very, you know, fantastic drive there at the end, catching up with Lewis on those tires. And Valtteri went out and did what he did, uh, what he was told to do. He got that fastest lap to steal that point away from Red Bull. Got to commend you know him for that as well. Um, you know who's probably not happy the season started and didn't start him over? Valtteri. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Um, but my question is, during testing, we said, oh, we might have a World Constructors and World Drivers Championship fight on our hands um, with qualifying and what, what Merck uh, was going through at that point for testing the qualifying. We see clearly, I think, can we still agree that Red Bull has the faster car at, the, at least at the moment? That's undisputable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, with that being said, quality. that's no joke. Yeah, no that's joke at all. So, if Red Bull can properly strategize, and Sam, I'm, I'm sure, uh, as you're thinking, it is Red Bull. Um, but yeah. <laughs> do we still have a fight for the WDC and the World Controller Championship on our hands after what we saw in Bahrain? We have a huge fight. Absolutely. I mean, I actually, Bahrain is proof of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, agree. Yeah, I, I think... Oh boy, I don't know if I'm really going to say that take because I've I've I'm banging the drum. And I'm still going to pick them because they're still going to have to give me a reason to make me think they're going to lose. I think after Bahrain, Merck, uh, Red Bull should be the favorites. Yeah, on paper at least. I mean, the, they, I think the pace they, of the car showed itself. Yeah, they yeah. really put Max in a bigger bind than they had to, and then Checho like made an absolute mess of qualifying, and they're still like second and fifth. And let's yeah. not forget, like, Max was dealing with some rear differential issues, it seemed like, across that entirety mm-hmm. of that race. Um, and, of course, that's up to Red Bull to get that fixed and running. But um, I do, should, I do they, think the should Mercedes... they do, you know, that might be a problem uh, for Mercedes, absolutely, if they can get that car run smooth like Max wants it to. Yeah. I think the Mercedes is going to get too. faster. Yeah, yeah Perez too. for sure. <laughs> Perez is a – Yeah. He showed just how much of an improvement I think he is over Albon. Uh, we saw last year Wait, Albon – Worth his weight and goal. Yeah, Albon just got stuck in traffic so often last year, and it's like pulling off overtakes on like an Alfa Romeo, and it's like, oh my god, he's such a good overtaker passing a car that's like two that was Gio, than that him. was Giovinazzi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, Perez, great recovery drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, uh, I texted you guys after the race. Is it strange to think that we could see like a Lewis Red Bull combo? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I I think if there's one thing that yesterday reminded me of, it's how much better Lewis Hamilton is than every other driver on the grid. I agree. He is there in are, a class of his own. That, those are my two takeaways I told you guys after the race is uh, Lewis is further solidified both the fact that he's the best driver in the grid and, in my opinion, the best driver F1's ever seen with one yep. of the best performances of his life. And yep. Red Bull had to lose that race. Red Bull and, and Red Max Bull's race to lose, and they lost it. Yep. <laughs> so yep. Um, we'll see if they can bounce back. Um, yeah, for sure. I would take I would take Lewis in a slightly slower car, and that's kind of 2018 too. And he easily won the championship that year. I would yep. take Lewis in a slightly slower car over Max in a slightly faster. I still, 
Yeah, Max Max is probably in a faster car. I, I don't think Max has quite done enough for me yet to make me think that he's the favorite to beat Lewis, but I think Red Bull showed me enough to make me think that on paper they should be the favorite to beat Mercedes. Just because I don't think the they're gonna mess car. up. They're, they're not gonna mess up strategy as badly as they did in, in Sakina. No, I don't think every, so either. I think they've gotten that first round kink out, and there's other courses that they favor mm-hmm. as well. So we'll see uh we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. Now we have the long wait to Imola. And we will oh, three uh, weeks. Oh, this, is, this is brutal. Weeks. So, so two final. Can I get a final here. word? Okay, go. I was gonna go. go. Two final talking points here. Um, how much can Mercedes improve this car over three weeks to get it more in line with what Red Bull is putting out? And finally, with Imola and Sam, I know you will contend this, and I do want you to talk about this. Uh, Imola is often considered by many modern F fans nowadays to be a very difficult track for overtaking. Um, do you think that Rebel has an inherent advantage there on a track that might be hard to overtake on at Bahrain just based on their raw pace? So, Ryan, why don't we start with your point? Uh, one point I can get there. What um, Before I get going into my takes on that, what was different about Sector 2 in Secure? Because that was the sector that Red Bull just ate Merck alive. Was there like Absolutely. a different set of turns or like a different style? Because I think that's a point that Merck got to like – because every other the, every uh, other section, I think like seventy five or eighty percent of the laps, except for like when Max was like going full speed, like when he shift when he shifted into maximum overdrive, he was just eating Lewis alive because he was just playing catch up. High speed esque yeah. that he was. Really and he, I think he had different tire. I think he had different tires too. Um, mm-hmm. But like, di- like is there like something different about sector two that I just missed? Because like 80 percent of the other laps, Lewis was getting Max in every other sector by like. A hundredth of a second yeah but like he gained like three tenths in sector two every let's, single let's lap. talk about sector two sector two is the middle part of bahrain on the circuit it's kind of where the, you got that little mill straight uh so you got sector three is the long straight and sector one obviously uh then they combine the two to get the straight. but that sector uh two area you have a lot of high speed uh corners through there and you've got that uh turn eight is generally a very narrow turn uh, that you have to go through in second mm-hmm. two. So could it be that Rebel's uh, power unit there and the handling, they were able to push a little bit more power through the CERNs, perhaps? I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think it's really a doubt there. Yeah, no. But yeah. I think that's better in high-speed corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. But although I will, I will raise a counterpoint to your thing, River, I think, A, overall, over any other manufacturer, I think a course that isn't good for overtaking suits qualifying more than it suits anybody who, like, actually – like in the race but i actually think a lack of overtaking suits mercedes if lewis can like get out in front of max like he could drive like lewis is the best defense like regardless of the opinion on the greatest driver race lewis is definitely the best defensive driver of all time so if he if he can like get in front of max i, I think he could he could give max the heisman and amola for like 30 40 laps if he had to he's done it before at like yeah. i mean he did it at monaco which is the hardest course to overtake but yeah like if 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 a course like amola doesn't suit overtaking i think it's actually worse for red bull because i think they'd rather have a course where max can like get out in front and get around lewis faster because he can do that like when you limit the opportunities he has to get around him if lewis gets in front he could just give you the heisman the entire day yeah and one strategy mistake there from red bull on a uh, course that's very narrow like that could spell the end if Max gets down to like eighth, if like it's a bad pit or like they like um pit him in the wrong lap, if Max gets down to like eighth or something, 
with like too late in the race, he can't, he might not be able to get back up even if he's in the fastest car. So I think that actually that handcuffs Red Bull a little bit. I think they'd rather play in a wide open track, but although I do want to maintain, this is just a funny thing that popped into my mind. Um, one of my favorite images just like out of sheer like entertainment and amusement of the entire race was the first turn on the opening lap in which max was driving and then lewis swung out behind max and we're like oh here comes the battle and then charles swung out behind lewis and it reminded me of like the um like shrek fiona donkey scene from shrek everyone was like oh my god here comes lewis and max charles there for some reason <laughs> and Charles just like swung out the widest and everyone was like okay hi Charles yeah there he is and just, like, there. It, was just, it was just funny to me like the timing was just exactly perfect like after a second Lewis swung out after another second Charles swung out but um uh, that's all I had for that Sam what are we thinking just thinking I can't wait for Imola and it's gonna come down to quality for sure can't wait for Imola Red Bull needs both cars in the, in the mix in Q3 though that's for sure yeah, and I think, I think they're gonna, they might try and uh, learn from their mistakes there if they can't get Perez on good pace. Uh, yeah. Qualifying is going to be huge. Yeah. And if, if if Max can qualify pole, that would that, be a it might be really good for Red Bull. Correct. It would be a clock because that if like that qualifying is going to be huge for Red Bull because if if Max can qualify pole, it's it's going to be even more Max's race to lose than Secure was. If Max doesn't qualify pole, he's fighting with a hand behind his back yeah. in Amola. So qualifying yeah, is before, yes, before and- we finish, I have hyped him up to you guys for days. I want to give a shout out to my boy, Lando Norris. Great what drive. Fucking race. <laughs> Great drive. Yeah, can't believe we have a What a race. Yeah, uh, he just held, he held four on lock the entire day. He like did none of that. Yeah. He impressed in uh, practice. He impressed in qualifying. And then he impressed in testing. He impressed, uh, yeah, in testing. He, he definitely went out and proved that, you know, the hype should be real around Lando. Mm-hmm. And beating, I know it's his first time in the car, and this might not be the case later on, beating such a talented driver uh, like the last of the late breakers in Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, it's very impressive to me. But um, not only that, like, I mean, I know the Ferrari car is probably worse, but like the first like five, 10 laps, we were like, oh, like there's going to be this awesome battle for fourth between like Lando and Charles and Danny and Lando just kept gaining and gaining and gaining and gaining. Like every time I looked at Lando, he had a larger gap between him and Charles than he had before. It was really, and he uh, did some great wheel-to-wheel racing with Charles, like we mm-hmm. talked about in the very beginning of the episode, uh, just kind of get to that spot. So really great drive from Lando. Say what Absolutely. you want about Imola. Am... Uh, is very exciting to me because uh, despite maybe the problems with overtaking, it kind of looks like you're driving through a Renaissance painting. It's got to be one of those <laughs> beautiful courses. Uh, the cinematography is outstanding. Very nice. Uh, but but um, um, we might come back at you with some new episodes before then, uh, depending on, you know, some of the F9 news that hits. There's always something going on. I, in hope, I was about to always say, I hope we don't on. go three weeks without a pod. <laughs> yeah, so we probably won't be doing that, but uh, we'll be talking to you guys uh, about anything going up with some Imola previews, mm-hmm. maybe do a history podcast, something like that. Cool. But until then, uh, we will see you later at Mission Spino. And uh, we'll keep digesting what was a fantastic race uh, all around. Keep calm and dislike right. Mazepin, people. <laughs> Talk That's to you guys soon. See ya. <laughs>